Welcome to the Reluctant Agilist. I have a, a whole bunch of people here today. Two people, Christine Converse and Ross Berman. They're back. And we're going to do a podcast kind of on metrics-ish around the metrics topic. Um, first, thank you both for being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, always fun, bud. Um, and I, before we get started, maybe you can uh, tell the folks a little bit about yourself. So, Christine, would you mind going first? Yeah, no problem. Uh, I'm Christine. I am an enterprise agile coach, although made my way here as a started out as a tester, product owner, scrum master, business analyst, all of those fun things. Um, giant Disney nerd, also a little personal token there. Ross? <laughs> I guess I'm just a nerd. I don't know. <laughs> Um, so got into agile coaching after working in government and doing, uh, architecture and program management. Um, and we're engaged. Everybody thinks I don't like Disney because you over-index on it, but it's okay. <laughs> have a good time to <laughs> I just don't want to listen to the podcast every day about Disney, like twice a week's enough. Yeah. <laughs> All right. and, and you have a podcast together as well. We do. We, we are do. a couple of coaches, which is cheeky as hell. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we um, we enjoyed working together. We've worked together at two companies over the span of about three years. And once that kind of those opportunities went a different way, we wanted to stay creative together and do something. So we started the podcast to do that. Cool. And and for those of you listening, I I want to encourage you to check it out because the banter is awesome. <laughs> Um, the back and forth. And also I, I appreciate the, my, I met my wife at work and we used to both be project managers together and now we run classes together. So I think it's really cool when you can have that, have that exist where like your work and you're able to work and live together. It can be a really fun thing. Yeah. We yeah both enjoy I, it. I missed her and Christine when she took your class, um, got to do that with both of you. And yeah. I, I think I was like one of the last classes that you did without suffered her. through Jeff and AJ and me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had uh, yeah, Jeff and uh, AJ, right? Yeah. 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 But Jeff, yeah. Jeff and AJ did a great job. So yeah. It's just it, for me, it's really fun to to work. We've worked at three different places and had a company together. So it's just always it's like a really easy fit. Yeah. Okay. Metrics. So that's sort of the topic for today, and it's got kind of a particular twist to it. So, Ross, would you mind kicking that off? Because I think you had sort of, I don't want to step on your strong feelings about people's <laughs> use of metrics. It's not, it, yeah. So it's, um, I don't know. So I feel like in agile coaching circles, people misuse lean metrics an over-index on lean metrics when there's just like throughput's good and then human beings aren't machines. So there's no reason to capture lean manufacturing metrics because really it's about figuring out the machine around the thing that you're building and not the specifications. And I think that agile metrics from a knowledge work perspective already do a good enough job of focusing in on how to get better at writing specifications to move through the board. And so we like, you know, Christine and I will talk about work and like where I'm currently working, they use lead time incorrectly. There was a thing about like incorrectly from a lean perspective, Christine was working with a, with somebody and they misuse cycle time 
from a lean perspective and they kind of make it their own thing. And not that whatever they're doing is bad. I just don't believe it actually helps. So from like, let's talk about standard agile metrics that you're referring to. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask for. Okay. So like to me, um, standard sprint metrics, like burn down velocity. So like all the things around planning and how, like how we're burning down risk essentially, right? Like, are we at risk of busting the sprint? Um, can we pull things in? Like, how are we making trade-off decisions tactically are cool. Velocity is great for, for teams to figure out how much stuff they can do in a set period of time with the, the time that they have, like with vacation and stuff, it's like a good tool to like make trade-off decisions there. Um, and then like any of the like team-based reports you can get in any of the ALM stuff that are around um, velocity variance, you know, sp- spillover, stuff like that. So can I share, I want to share the ones that I track with you and see how you feel about these. So yes. um, I I look at velocity, but I have, I'm, kind of very skeptical of velocity as well. To me, it has value for the PO and figuring out how much they can ask for and for the team and trying to figure out if they're being efficient. But beyond the beyond that, I think velocity is completely useless and often can be very detrimental. I like teams to, to track their capacity mm-hmm. uh, from sprint to sprint and to compare that with what they're planning. So capacity versus work planned. Um, plan versus accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, percent of original forecast met. So they could swap stuff out in the middle of the sprint and still do the same number of points, but but not meet their original commitment. Okay. And then um, gap gap between planned and accepted. And then it's really just did they meet the sprint goal? That's usually what I'm looking for in Scrum. I think there's other stuff that can be really valuable, like defects that escape sprints, carryover work, stuff like that. But I think those basics are like for teams starting out. I don't, I don't know if I've seen a valuable use of metrics beyond that for newer teams. Yeah. And like, even the defects thing like that, I think the defects thing is one that burns me because either we didn't test it well enough and it shouldn't have been accepted. Escaped defects. Yeah. Like after the sprint, we found after out, Oh my gosh, test. this broke the other thing. So, right. So I think integration testing should be part of acceptance criteria. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. yeah. So I'm assuming it's gone through all that. Like it's gone through. And when I say that it's it's been through integration testing, all the testing meets the definition of done. And then we find out there was a problem. Yeah. So like to me, um, I don't know if that's a defect or not. Because like when you think about a D, de- so a defect is a lean metric, right? And it's like the machine broke something or like it's double stamped since it was supposed to be a triple stamp void or whatever, right? Like there's something wrong that was mechanically incorrect. To me, that sounds like um, we didn't understand the full scope of the specification yeah. for that part. I agree. Yeah. Which is, is not always, I mean, that could, that can happen in knowledge work. You don't always see all the things that are coming down the pike. Yeah. Like I've seen a lot of people use defects and maybe this is a good place to start because I, your definition of defect I'm cool with, I've seen a lot of places use defects as like um, unit tests passed and the PO accepted the business functionality. But then when we went to go through like the pipeline to deploy, it broke every other piece of software that we have. You mean a failed test case? 
Right, but it's post-acceptance uh, in Sprint. Okay. Because that part of the machine is a di- somebody else's problem, which is like a, um, a functional handoff, right? Yeah. yeah. We're going to give it to the DevOps teams and now deploy it. And it's like, oh, it failed all the integration tests. Right. So there was one place that I worked that had a... Um, a lot of the testing was done externally. And for some reason, they had some policy set where each developer was allowed a certain number of mistakes a quarter. <laughs> and and a, a mistake would be like, if you were typing the word cat and you spelled it K-A-T and then you know went back and immediately changed it before like you hit the period at the end of the sentence, you had to log that as a defect, <laughs> which is completely insane. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, but, okay, I, would so, have, I would bust my quarterly allotment in my first sentence. Yeah. I, and it, well, so here's the thing. Like, I mean, recently I've been at consulting gigs, multiple businesses that uh, the integration testing is a team of people. And so it's after the story has been accepted, it goes to integration testing team but the integration testing team doesn't do anything other than find the defects, and I'm quoting this here, and send them back to the original team. That that was the exact the exact situation I was in. It was a yeah. different company that did integration testing, right? And it took longer than a sprint. Our sprints were two weeks, and the integration testing was manual and took three weeks. Right. right. So then, then you would get defects in the backlog, but yeah. the work was never actually done. Right. 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 Okay. So we have an idea of what you're calling agile metrics. What are you talking about with lean metrics? Can we just go over those really quick? Because I think I would like to to pitch an argument to what you're going to say, but maybe we can just clarify them first. All right. I, let me give you as much data about how wrong I am as possible. All right. So when I think about like lean <laughs> metrics, I'm talking about like lean manufacturing metrics. So um, like wait time, cycle time, lead time, value add time, non-value add time, like all the things that are tracking the parts to build something tangible. And I think that in knowledge work, we start thinking about that. We over-index on it, especially in places where we start to scale. Because um, I think that like there's only a couple ways to track features and epics and whatever else is above or below those things when we're not talking about user stories. Right. Um, but I think what ends up happening is we start to over-index on lean metrics into the delivery teams, into those like teams that are doing sprints. And the lean metrics work for um, the features and epics, but they don't, in my opinion, they don't work at the team level. Okay. And you said earlier that the metrics were really about making the machine more efficient, right? Right. Okay. It's about making the whole, the whole value stream more efficient. But if you think about software as a value stream, which you you should, um, there's too much onus on the person and not as much onus on the, um, tools the person uses to do the job. So it's almost the um, reverse of a manufacturing line where the person is just operating a machine and that machine is the one that's doing all the work. Okay. And all you're doing is taking in different specifications, but you, you're, you as a human being are still doing the same thing. 
you're in a window factory, you're cutting the frame, you're welding the glass and the frame together. You know, you're doing a quality check to make sure that the glass is set and then you put it off to the side. So no matter how long the window is or how wide the window is or how, how tall the window is or whatever, you're still doing those same activities every time a window comes through. And the only thing that changes are those specifications. With okay. software development or knowledge work, you're cre- you can be creative every time a new requirement or story or whatever comes in. Yeah, windows don't exist and you're having to invent them. Right, every time. Yeah. And you can use new technology. So your first window can be wood and plastic and your second window can be wood and glass and your third window can be vinyl and glass. And maybe your fourth window is like clear metal. I don't know, that's some Star Trek shit, but like something like that. Because as technology advances, the tools at your disposal change and the materials change. Right. Okay. So, Christine, do you want to add anything to this before we before I... No, I'm just like... He's on your side proving me wrong. Yeah, 100% counter-arguing in my brain right now. Um, But so clarification, you're advocating that it is not in our best interest, or maybe you would say smart, to use lean manufacturing metrics in something like Scrum or Kanban knowledge work. That's that's what you're advocating for. The team level knowledge work. Do we all agree that the team is the people actually doing work? Coders and testers. Yes. And then the other yeah. folks are managers pretending like they're doing work. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay. 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 Well, <laughs> and, and we all agree that when those people get a hold of velocity, bad things happen. Right. 100%. Okay. All right. So um, let's say that I have somebody who wants to track. Um, dev cycle time, like we talked about that before, like cycle time being a developer picks up a card and the work on the card is done. That would be the cycle time, correct? Yes. Okay. If I am tracking just that thing, I think from a lean perspective, I think you're right. It probably has no value. But if I am like a scrum master and I'm watching a team and I'm watching this data, what that might show me is that there's too much variation in the cycle time which is telling me that they're either not getting consistent clarity on the work, or maybe there's somebody who's picking it up. That's, it's just not something's weird there that we have to check out or um, the, the size of the things that are bringing in the scope of them is really not consistent. I mean, so, so we've all, we've all seen the control chart in JIRA, right? Yes. Is there but any it's... way to slice that by individual? I don't believe so. I don't really use Jira, so I don't, but why would you want to slice it by individual? Because I might code faster than Christine. But it's the team as a whole that we're worried about, not an individual on the team. Exactly. But that rolling average of cycle time for that work is unfixable without understanding which individual is making it slower or faster. But isn't that something the team could look at and talk about? Could that be a useful metric for the team? Because each developer is basically its own development machine in that step of the process. So you're actually splitting your line when you think think about it from a manufacturing perspective. So let's say you have to-do 
development testing done, right? Like that's your software development Kanban or analysis development testing done, right? If I have everybody can analyze, everybody can develop, everybody can test, everybody can say it's done. Mm -hmm. Each individual is actually operating their own line in a manufacturing line. And if I was looking at it, like think of the Phoenix project, the dude on the rafter showing Bill what's going on. I always forget his name. It's who I want to be when I grow up. But the dude like pointing down at the manufacturing line, (laughs) take a look at it and tell me where the problem is. My cycle time for development would be one number using ALM. But when I'm looking down physically on the line, I could see that line one is slower than line two and line three is faster than both and line four is slower than all three. And I could go and I could fix something as a Kaizen in that process, I could go fix that machine. Or that machine and that And you're saying that if we look at it for the at the team level, it doesn't give us that granularity that where we could see that. Exactly. Exactly. But can't we? I mean, and maybe this is like the dreamer hopeful in me, but can't we like as a scrum master and agile coach, like, can't we figure out, okay, if I give Dave the developer because Dave the developer is faster at what he's doing and is he has high quality work versus Sam, the developer. And I look at that and I'm like, oh, well, Sam is new and Sam's just lacking knowledge. Can't we get Sam and Dave, the developers, to be working about the same pace? <laughs> okay. And to sing some songs. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> now, they're whistling while they work. And Dave, this is a shout out to our text messages. How do you provide psychological safety to <laughs> Sam while not making Dave feel like you're an asshole for slowing him down because he's just wanting to do his job and get his work done? I, to me, that the safety comes from the team. So I think it's how you approach this. Like where, I, where I'm maybe being optimistic is that the team, if they're looking at this data, right? Sam, Dave, and uh, Otis. And and duck are all there together. No, I'm I'm going completely stacks on this one. Sam, Dave, Otis, Rufus, and Duck. They're all in the room together. And um they're looking at it and they're seeing that like every time Rufus takes work, you know, there, there's something somebody's taking longer. That's clear to everyone. And then as a team, they can have a conversation about well, you know, what's going on here. Well, it turns out Duck's playing a lot slower because. Uh, he's got a broken string on his base or whatever it is. Like there's something that's that's impeding him. Doesn't have the knowledge, doesn't have the skill, doesn't want to do the work, maybe just whatever. He's having an off week. But to me, that's data that's able to be used by a team who is trying to improve themselves. Now, well, I, I don't I don't want the scrum master to have to do it. I don't want some manager to do it, but I want the team to be able to look at themselves and say, this is, we should talk about this. Now, cycle time, team cycle time may prove that you resolve that issue, but yeah. how does it show you that there, that issue is there? I would imagine that if I am working on a team and I'm finishing things at an average rate of like two per day, and our cycle time is showing like five per day, I'm going to be like, what the hell? I know I'm going faster than that. Are you going faster than that? Are you going faster than that? 
like where something's off. And I don't, to me, it's not like a, you did something wrong. It's a punitive thing. It's let's just understand the machine. So, so that's where need, I'm going. Do you need cycle time for that? Or would that be uncovered in, I don't know, the third? It could be uncovered anywhere. I just pick um, what I did. So I know how much you love it when people quote official documents. So I have pulled up the Kanban guide and I am now looking at the four <laughs> metrics that the Kanban guide recommends. Okay. Um, and part of this is for me, like the lean metrics to me have never made a ton of sense. But then when I read Dan Vicanti's books, I was like, oh my God, I get this. Um, and, and it's, but to me, it's more about the metric is just a metric. It's what are you going to do with the information? How are you? So that's exactly it? where I was going, Dave, is really what's the goal of the metrics? Is it to be punitive or is it to provide the team enough information to have a conversation to inspect and adapt? Yeah. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe standing up and demoing, if you're standing up every day, and then demoing every two weeks, you're going to know, what was his name? Sam? Here's the <laughs> shit bag. Sam? You're going to know Sam sucks for whatever reason. Like one sprint in, you're going to know, you know what? Sam's one sandwich short of a picnic around all of us. You're not going to like six months later, look at cycle time and go, hey, it takes me two days to do something, but our cycle time is four days because Sam's over there eating lead paint chips and, you know whatever and not doing his job or like he's on LinkedIn, you know, looking for another job or whatever, cause he hates it here. Like cycle time isn't the metric that's going to show you that is all I'm saying, because okay. you're going to go through so much different iterations to find out that specific use case. Yeah. So you should be able to find it faster. I get that. Right. Um, well, let's and look good. I could, I don't believe in my heart of hearts that Kanban is the way to do new feature development of any kind. Okay. Just to be clear, because new feature development requires more creativity than a Kanban lean manufacturing system requires. Okay. So I don't, I'm not going to touch that one. That is a whole statement and a half that I don't think that we can dig into here. But I do want to go back to something that popped into my head a few minutes ago. I feel like Christine, you and I are on the same page in that maybe I'm wrong, but that, that the team part of their job is to be examining what and how they're doing so they can find ways to, improve their machine them as a machine but but if it was lean metrics if i was using it with that mindset i'm thinking that i am looking at the machine so i can find the things that i need to fix on the machine it's like the goal right he looks at the line he sees the things broken he has to go fix it i want the line to be able to see itself yes right but like think about think about even this like lead time versus cycle time Right. Okay. Yeah. Cycle time is nebulous because it's like, how long is each part in each machine? How long is each part in all of the machines? But it doesn't talk about wait time. Right. Cycle time, cycle time is all active work. Yeah. Okay. Lead time. Lead time is one of these things. Like, let's go back to our instance of, you know, Sam who's eating paint chips. Right. Like we're going to know 
that there's a lead time issue before that, but let's pretend like we didn't because we're all just like heads down doing our thing. We don't know that Sam is doing whatever the hell he's doing. Everybody else is doing, you know, three stories a sprint or three stories every two weeks. So and our, lead, you... our lead time isn't, you know, one third of two weeks, whatever that is, like five days. Our lead time's over five days. Explain the difference between lead time and cycle time, because I used to always get these confused until we started living together. <laughs> All right. So lead time is wait time and cycle time. <laughs> lead time is, is wait time and cycle time added together for the entire value stream. Right. So, so I go to Starbucks, I'm in line for five minutes and take some five minutes to make my drink. That's 10 minutes. Yes. That's lead time. Yes. Lead time would be no, because lead time, you have to have the specifications. So it would be the time in which you start talking to the, to the cashier until you pick up your drink and taste it, think that it's good and leave. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's, there's non-value add and wait time ahead of when you have the specifications, like parts in a warehouse have a, a, a wait time. So me standing in line before I get to the barista, me explaining to the barista two or three times what I actually want. And then when I actually get the drink. Yes. Okay. And then like, if there's a stack of drinks, like let's say there's a drive-thru, like we've all been to a Starbucks or the drive-thru and it's awful because like you get bumped for the drive-thru people because there's a different SLA there's an expedite SLA for the drive-thru and you're in the normal SLA. You should probably explain SLA too. For people service level agreement, class of service, and probably that Kanban book that you referenced, but it's like how, what the minimum amount of time people are supposed to wait and which priority they go from an, from an order perspective. Okay. So if my goal, let's say I'm doing scrum. Okay. And my goal with Scrum, I always say, is to get a team of people to function predictably. So if that's the case, wouldn't any of these Kanban or Lean metrics, wouldn't they help me get more clarity on predictability? I don't think, I mean, it's misusing them from a Lean perspective, but it's sort of like, maybe I'm bringing a gun to a knife fight, but I'm just trying to figure out like, ballpark based on real-time data how long is the thing going to take information is information like if we're as a team trying to improve i think as much information as we have for ourselves to make an informed decision is awesome yeah but there is also over information like we live in our our digital age today like there's sometimes too much information to where it's like an analysis paralysis thing where you're just yeah. like, I don't even know what to do with this. Cause this is just way too much information. Yep. So I get the, the, especially new teams or even like moderately mature teams. Like you need to be careful how much information you're giving them and introducing these lean metrics into standard scrum metrics or Kanban metrics could be information overload. But how, okay, so you guys were both Scrum Masters at some point, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. So how do you use, how would you use development cycle time? So the time a user story is picked up by a developer and they're writing code 
before it, it's ready to be pulled into test because the scrum or software development value stream is pretty standard across the board, right? Um, how would you use development cycle time to fix a problem in scrum that you couldn't use a scrum metric to fix way sooner. I never would have used it now that I understand the difference between lead time and cycle time. What I would have used is lead time. And that's what a lot of ALM tools now call cycle time, which is why I think that there is a huge confusion around what that is, because a lot of the tools call that cycle time or what was that other report? Control chart. Control chart. It's different. Like it's laid out differently. What I actually, as the scrum master would have been looking at would have been lead time. It, are we completing what we say that we're going to complete? But what other normal scrum metrics can you use to answer that exact question? Are we completing what we said we were going to complete? It, there's, there's other ones for that. And why would the, why would the specific time on average over sprints or months lead you to that information that a sprint demo and retrospective in the first sprint wouldn't lead you to? It would have led me to, we need like all of these things are maybe too big. Okay. What does that have to do? I need to work with my product owner. What does that have to do with development time? It that's I'm agreeing with you. Oh, okay. All right, Dave, you're up. (laughs) I don't, I don't think that, um, that there's anything you're going to, you're going to get anything you couldn't get somewhere else. I just don't know if I'm willing to say that there's harm in capturing it. Right. Okay. Now, now let's go up a level. Okay. Up a okay. level, what in the organization, up a level in, in the, the work decomposition. Okay. Is that what you we call have, it? according to our time box, we have four minutes to do this. So, okay. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, should you use the standard scrum metrics at the feature level or should you use the lean metrics at that level? Uh, or see, I, to me, I come at this problem from a very different angle. It is you collect whatever metrics you collect because you think they might help you understand what's going on around you. But I do think there has to be intention behind metrics you share. And I think there has to be intention behind how you put them together. So to me, like, yeah, we could look at cycle time, but there's other ways we could capture that as well. I don't really care how I get the answer, but I do want to be able to see if there's a lot of variability in the size of the things that we're bringing in or in our ability to deliver them. Okay. You disagree with Dave. Whatever Dave says. Whatever Dave says. Right. Um, <laughs> well, this no, this isn't like the, any any tool will work if you use it intentionally. Any but metrics is, will work. Is a hammer is a hammer the best way to put a screw in the wall? So it'll work. No, but sometimes the hammer is all you got. Sometimes jira right. is all you got. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes feature points are all you got, but should you use them? (laughs) Hell no. You should go to Home Depot and find your feature throughput. Because if you're looking at features over time and they're going to cross multiple teams 
as soon as a feature crosses multiple teams, feature story points or whatever velocity is, is useless because each team has a different velocity and have a different definition of what one story is versus another. And that's when lean metrics make sense because the specifications have changed. It's not individuals working on individual lines of code. It's how does a team of team structure work on a nebulous thing called a feature in a specific group of teams. And that's when lean metrics make sense in knowledge work, according to me. <laughs> Thank you for bestowing <laughs> all of your knowledge on us. What does the scrum um, guide say about it? <laughs> the scrum guide doesn't <laughs> say anything about metrics. But I think, so one thing, I mean, to kind of like try to tie it together, one of the things that I think is interesting about this debate is that there's no set answer for this stuff. And that that's why I go back to the intention thing. I mean, all of us, we have you know, different opinions about this stuff, some places where they match up, some where they don't. But although Ross might disagree, I would say that none of them is actually wrong. It just, yeah. what do you want? You know, it's like, what kind of how do you want your steak cooked, right? Everybody's got their own way and you pick the thing that works best for you. And I mean, in with these transformations, just like kind of sharing knowledge here, there have been things that I was like, I will never do that. And I have been in situations where I'm like, shit, like yep. we're just going to throw this on the wall and see if this works. And you never know, lean metrics might be something that you just throw on the wall one day in the middle of a transformation just to try to get someone to open their mind to something. Hopefully it's opening their mind and telling them that that person's wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I agree that there's nothing wrong with tracking stats. Like I used to love like the back of cards, like the back of football cards, baseball cards, like stats. Uh-huh. Yeah. Stats are fun. But like, if you want to win the game, like RBIs and on base percentage is all that matters. Right. Like if people get on base and somebody else hits them into home plate, you get runs, you know, and if you get the more runs you win. Right. And so, and that's so where what my is mind, winning and what is winning in delivery or scrum winning and predictability is for me to be able to articulate to the people asking when things are going to get done and then being accurate. And so for me personally, because I don't like math with letters, <laughs> I just want the simplest shit you can give me. And to me, it's like, if I'm a scrum team, it's velocity plan versus actual, right? Like exactly yeah. like you guys said, like those two metrics are amazing. Yeah. If I know what my team thinks they can get done and I know what they actually got done in that two week iteration or whatever their iteration is, I can help them get better. And I can do some investigation into why they were unpredictable. And then for a feature epic and above or in between, right? Like for me, all I care about is throughput because the sizes of those features are going to average out eventually in a large group. And if I can know how many things in my backlog I can get done in a in program increments or whatever, a quarter or whatever that measure is, I can make better decisions as a manager from a trade-off perspective. Because I know that my group of teams always gets 10 things done. If you want me to do 12, I can't. What two are dropping? And it's not like, oh, I can only do you know, 2,700 feature points and you have 2,950 <laughs> feature points. Yeah, that's too much. Too many digits. There's letters in there. I don't want that shit. 
right? I want 10. I thought right? it was 2,900, not 2,900. <laughs> the, the, one thing, the one thing I want to add to it is work injected into the sprint from above to your metrics, Ross, because I think oh, that, sure. yep. yeah, because yep. that, that can be really disruptive too. Um, all right. We have a time box for this because we have another thing we have to do after this. So Christine, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do it? Uh, through LinkedIn. And I will make sure that you have all of that. All right. And Ross? LinkedIn works. I have an email. It's tough. It's Ross at RossBerman.com. <laughs> it. um, it's tough because my uh, German heritage likes to add vowels that are unnecessary. And Ross also has like a really awesome like barista Kanban training. If anyone is interested in it, it is awesome. And he actually talks about some of like the flow metrics and stuff with um, Kanban if you're interested in it. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, I call the game Barista Barrage. And if you well, do, I would like to learn about it. I need some Kanban games. <laughs> yeah. No, cups are going everywhere. It's Talk so about fun. swarming. You know who's on the toaster? Sam. And his ass needs to get over to the espresso <laughs> machine because there's Poor cups Sam. coming through. Nobody's asking for a bagel, Sam. Come swarm. I, I, I would like to apologize to Sam Moore on behalf of <laughs> this podcast. We did not mean to disparage him in any way. Um, but thank you both for making time for this. And if you're listening, hopefully you just got a sense of the fact that the metrics debate has many different angles and you kind of have to decide how you want to approach it. I really wish I could figure out a way to put some Sam and Dave in here right now, but thank you both for doing this. (laughs) Thank you so much. Sam, you're fine. Stop eating the chips. (laughs) If you learn to work the old way, but the new way is what you need. My job's to make that switch from old to new.